This is a CNA podcast. Now, Health Matters with Daniel Martin. It's your COVID updates once again on Health Matters. Hey folks, I've been keeping touch with this condition since it very first appeared, um, what, three years ago? November 2019, I believe, was my first interview on the condition. What a journey we've been on with COVID. And now we've reached the point, obviously, where we're learning to, like the rest of the world, live endemically with this disease. The biggest tool in our arsenal has been vaccination. And of course, the important role that we each play in terms of prevention, prevention, prevention and healthy practices. But... We've seen the numbers go up in recent weeks. At the end of March, 28,410 cases, compared to early March, where there were 4,426 cases. That uh, week-on-week jump in the last two weeks of March almost doubling. Now, uh, we're hearing, of course, from the Ministry of Health that the current COVID infection wave is being driven by a mix of XBB sub-variants. We'll talk more about that. But I want to ask one big question on today's edition of Health Matters. Have we been lazy as well? It's to be expected. We're, we're, we're bound to expect some rise in numbers every now and then and waves every now and then, seeing as how globally there have been some relaxation of uh, uh, COVID restrictions, obviously. But have we also been a bit lax in terms of, I know a lot of people didn't go for their fourth shot or their first booster. I know a lot of people still feeling unwell and yet going to the office, not wearing a mask, hand hygiene not really there. The fundamentals, are we maybe losing some aspects of our herd immunity as well? I'm learning more as I speak to Dr. Louisa Sun, infectious diseases consultant out of Alexandra Hospital. Dr. Sun, welcome back to the show. Hi there. Hi, Daniel. Thank you for having me again. Let's talk about the latest numbers and what it could point to as well. How do you feel about those numbers? 28,410 at the end of March. Yeah, so I mean, as you've said, and we all know, as it's been reported, there's been quite a sharp increase in the case numbers actually since about a month ago. And I suppose as we see the more than doubling in the last week or so, uh, we all tend to get a little bit worried and kind of wonder, you know, if is anything brewing again? You know, are we going to get more restrictions? We've just gone back to Dorscon Green. Does this mean anything? You know, will we be going back to yellow? And I think it's good to keep aware. Um, it's good to keep kind of like this awareness and um, we all tend to worry when numbers suddenly shoot up like this. But again, as you know, MOH and other uh, health experts have said, I don't really think that it's unexpected or a cause for panic. This is really what it's like to live um, in, an endem- in an endemic state. What it does mean is that um, the relevant health departments and our other authorities will be keeping a much closer eye on the situation. We'll need to watch the number of severe cases, that is those who need hospital or ICU care, and that's what uh, that's part of making sure our healthcare system doesn't become overwhelmed, which is one of the most important things that we need to plan for and prevent when our case numbers become high. That's a good thing, and right? And secondly, I think, yeah, yeah, definitely. And so secondly, you were saying, Doc, sorry. Yeah. And secondly, I think although having mild disease for an individual is not a very big deal for now, you know, we have a we have flu symptoms, we get over it after a few days. I think on a broader scale, though, we still want to make sure that the case numbers don't go so high that it starts affecting workplace productivity on a broad scale. So that's quite important, too. But I don't think that even if case numbers do rise or stay high for a while, it's unlikely that we will we'll suddenly need to go back, you know, to having a large degree of social restrictions as we had before. We are aware of a lot of um, safe workplace measures and other um, personal protective measures that we can take. And so those can be deployed in stages and on separate steps. 
And maybe, for example, it's just having more teams work from home for a while. As you say, encouraging mask wearing during large meetings or, you know, reinforcing the notion that if you're sick, you should take some sick days off. Um, you should definitely keep up with your hand hygiene. So things like that, which are easy to carry out for each individual and not too difficult or disruptive. So to some level, to be expected to face these waves mm -hmm. and surges every now and then. Um, let's talk. It's a good news also that we're seeing mainly mild cases. ICU uh, admission rates also down, not as high as we've seen mm -hmm. in the past before. So that's good news. But again, I think this is more of a reflection of our hard work in terms of mass immunity rather than, and I've heard this worryingly from some people, uh, some of my family members as well, mm -hmm. uh, COVID's fine now, it's over. It's not so serious anymore. It's over. It's fine. People think that the, the, the disease has waned to some extent versus, you know, recognizing the hard work we've put in. Mm. So, yes, it's very true. Um, our, our severe cases are very low at the moment because we have very high rates of vaccination and that gives us general good protection and herd immunity as well. Um, and But you're also right in that, you know, um, vaccination, as we know, for any kind of vaccine, for a lot of these uh, flu vaccines, COVID vaccines, they don't last forever. Our own natural immunity does also wane. And so, um, as you mentioned, I think the question now is really, um, how far should we be pushing vaccinations, right? Um, if some of our, uh, if, if some of the younger age group doesn't really want to take vaccinations or they've kind of, you know, just disregarded the importance of vaccinations, is that okay? And to what extent do we allow that? Exactly. And I think it's, um, yeah. So I think, again, it's a, it's a kind of um, a time, it's, it's a risk assessment time to, from time period to time period. At the moment, I think we've learned a lot about COVID, um, the subvariants. We're still learning more, but we know a lot about, you know, um, their kind of uh, viral properties. We know about the protection that vaccines give. Um, people are still getting infected in the community. So it's it's good, actually, that we're keeping up some form of natural immunity going. Um, it's not all a bad thing, in other words. So I think it's perfectly reasonable for people now to be a bit more relaxed about COVID. Um, while we can't say that it's completely behind us, right, in a lot of ways, we also shouldn't need to let it affect our lives in a big way. And for repeat or booster vaccinations moving forward, I think we can all imagine that it will be very challenging and probably also not a um, huge benefit to impose, you know, consistent or continuous nationwide mandates. So in fact, our MOH has aligned with the World Health Organization to recommend additional boosters at this point for those who have risk factors for severe disease. And that is for those who are above 60 years old or for those who have significant underlying medical problems. For those young and healthy, I think it's really a matter of assessing your own comfort level and also knowing um, the risk to others around you. If you're someone who's very healthy, you don't really travel often, you don't really come into contact with very young children, the elderly, or you know anyone who's chronically sick, then I wouldn't tell you that you shouldn't get vaccinated. But I think I'm comfortable leaving the choice up to you at this point, whether you personally consider it important or not. And this again may change at some point, you know, when we learn if, if we get new variants, for example, you know, the situation changes drastically. But for now, I think um, it's reasonable not to necessarily have to mandate a nationwide uh, vaccination drive again. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. But having taken that into account, do you think that there, we spent so much time talking about building up herd immunity and how that was so important? Could this all be a reflection of maybe chinks in the armour? Are we losing some aspect of herd immunity? 
Um, I think, well, the immunity levels in the, com uh, in the community now, um, they are a little bit complex at the moment, right? We, there definitely has been some waning from when we initially started getting, you know, our first and second doses of vaccination and our additional one boosters. Um, those took place at very specific time points, you know, with all these um, national drives for vaccination. So at some point, our immunity built up very strongly. Um, at that point, you know, we started having more infections too when we started having more variants. And so certainly at some point, I, I think in the community, there would have been a much um, across the board, uh, stronger immune uh, level. But at the moment, I also don't think that it's waned to a point that we need to be worried. And people are still getting vaccinated. Our, our baseline vaccination rates are still high. That provides good protection. And as I say, some natural, you know, uh, natural infections that happen, these mild cases, actually, they are a form of also sustaining immunity. And it's like the flu, you know, the seasonal peaks of the flu, you know, we're getting flu throughout the year. And so at, at this point, I think the immunity, uh, again, it's like endemicity, it will be expected to go up and down. Mm. But for now, I think we have achieved a form of herd immunity in order to, you know, even transition to an endemic state. Let's talk a little bit about the vaccinations and what you mentioned earlier on as well, because one of my listeners WhatsApped across at 9631938 with a follow-up and just asked, how long does the fourth vaccine last? Okay, and this is good. I want to address that. But I also think that a lot of people are still of the opinion that, oh, I've already had my three vaccines. I'm done. I, I don't need any more. I'm covered for life, that kind of thing. So let's address the fourth vaccine and how long it lasts and whether it, it wanes in that regard. Okay, so um, okay. So firstly, maybe let me perhaps clarify a little bit of what I said. Um, I did mention that I don't really think that it's completely necessary for you know, a mandatory nationwide of, uh, booster vaccination uh, effort. But I still would say that, you know, I would encourage everyone to at least keep up to date. That is with a additional yearly booster for most people. And that is uh, closely related to this listener's question. It's because our immunity from vaccination certainly don't last forever. Now, because um, the uh, fourth uh, our second booster or fourth dose, we don't really have that much data. And we do have a study locally uh, for the elderly population that still shows that it has a very good protective effect um, for uh, protecting against severe disease. But I don't think anyone really exactly knows how long it will last. What we know in general about vaccinations is that they will, the immunity that you get from them or the boost that you get from them will generally wane in about six to eight months. Maybe for some people, it can stretch up to a year, but certainly um, it shouldn't, uh, it's, it's not expected to last really beyond that. So I think um, it's still like, for example, we promote the flu vaccinations yeah. yearly and it's a similar concept. So, you know, if you want to protect yourself and others, um, I think, again, for, for younger people, I know that it's a little bit um, harder to, uh, I guess, keep up or accept that, you know, you have to take a vaccination, which seems like something you have to actively go to do, you know, to see a doctor and to get an injection. <laughs> um, and you don't really see, will I really suffer from getting, you know, a mild flu every once in a while? Yeah. Perhaps not. But then it's, again, to do with that concept of, you know, herd immunity that we were talking about. We need to keep our baseline vaccination rates to a certain at a certain level mm -hmm. in order 
to protect, you know, for example, our uh, younger children now, for those under 11, there's actually no booster available for them. Mm. So how do they keep up with their immunity or their protection is by the parents getting vaccinated, you know, um, the, the, the younger siblings, oh, sorry, the older siblings getting vaccinated and, you know, their older friends and family getting vaccinated for the elderly or, you know, the chronically sick. Um, apart from them getting their vaccination, they will also be protected if the people around them are also vaccinated and have a slightly less um, chance of getting ill or severely ill. Great question. Thank you for WhatsApping across at 963-11938. Let's talk about whether or not there are new strains at play here. So we've heard in published reports from the MOH that um, these are strains that we're familiar with to some extent. It's a mix of XBB subvariants. So again, to be expected, Dr. Sun? Um, yes, well, to be expected, um, there are... Some other, there are some newer strains of XBB that have come up in other countries uh, around the world that we haven't yet seen in Singapore. I'm not going to be terribly surprised if they eventually do land here because travel has really opened up. Uh, both, you know, Singaporeans are traveling out and we have more travelers coming in. But um, this is, again, being very closely monitored locally and globally. And apart from just, you know, knowing what are the names of these variants, one thing that is always, um, you know, uh, kept uh, on very close watch is whether these new strains develop any concerning features, uh, by which I mean, for example, you know, they, they transmit even more easily than these Omicron subvariants, or, you know, they cause more severe disease, but they cause a different form of disease. So all these things are, you know, still being very closely monitored at the moment. But in Singapore, for now, these infections that we've been still seeing, as you pointed out, yeah, there's still the uh, various different XBB recombinant strains that have been around since about the start of the year. Ah, okay. So the ones that have been cited so far, mm -hmm. XBB 1.5, XBB.1.9, and XBB.1.16. So again, mostly been around since the beginning of this year. No worrying mm -hmm. traits per se. Yes, that's right. All right. Dr. Sun, let's talk a little bit about what the lesson is here. One of the reasons I want to touch base with you is because a lot of people are getting very concerned about these numbers. And and, we're, and I heard a lot of people say, oh, it's back, it's back, that's it, it's back, it's going to happen, it's starting all over again. But I, I love what how you've couched it and how you've talked to us about it. This is to be expected. There are going to be peaks and waves every now and then. But what do you think is the real takeaway at the end of the day from these numbers that we're seeing, particularly through the month of March? Have we been lax? Is this, um, you know, par for the course? What's the real key takeaway, you think? So, I don't think it's one thing in particular that's, you know, causing this rise. Um, it's really a combination of things. Um, uh, everything contributes on a, on a certain level. People are traveling a lot more. As I said, you know, we're getting a lot of travelers too. So that can be part of it. Certainly, our immune levels are going up and down a little bit. And, you know, we may be in a in a space whereby for a lot of the population, the immunity may have gone down a little bit and we need a little bit more people to get boosted. So can we have a higher immunity level overall? Um, certainly, you know, the... The restrictions that have been lifted, and now that we've gone back to a so-called you know normal life, were those that were couldn't really be sustainable forever for many reasons, right? Economy being one of them, and to some degree, I think it's kind of good that we're getting you know these little peaks in cases, as long as it doesn't cause you know any um, severe consequences, and our healthcare system is able to sustain itself nicely. Um, it keeps people on their toes a little bit, and so then we get people remembering oh, actually, there are very basic measures 
like, you know, good personal hygiene, including hand hygiene, washing your hands regularly, sick day etiquette. So as you have mentioned, you know, if you're, if you know that you're down with the flu and are symptomatic, then take a couple of days off work, make sure you wear a mask if you need to go out of the house, you know, maybe avoid coming into contact with people, you know, with very young children or, you know, elderly uh, parents um, or people, you know, who have chronic illnesses, things like that. So things like that aren't very disruptive and they're quite easy to do. We should keep them as good habits anyway and definitely don't completely abandon them. Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up because at the end of the day, mm. I do feel that, you know, everybody was so careful and considerate and concerned about doing this. But you know, as time goes on, you get a bit more lax, a bit more casual about such things. But just remind us, I mean, those fundamentals that we just discussed, for example, they really do make a difference, do they not? Yes, they definitely do make a difference. And, you know, whatever the numbers are, um, it's a good way to keep numbers uh, controlled uh, within, you know, expected peaks here and there. Um, and uh, when numbers are high, again, it's good. It's a good way of preventing numbers from going higher. And you know, people are worried. Um, you know, when if we're going to go back to more restrictions, higher level of restrictions. You know, the social restrictions, yeah. social distancing. You know, mandatory mask wearing, and those are not really comfortable or convenient. So I think you know, do your part. The things that you can do on a personal level that, as I mentioned, are not very hard to do. Um, and it just takes a little bit of you know, just keeping conscious. You know, and being aware of it. And if we do that consistently, then that provides a very good level of basic protection. Dr. Sun, on that note, thank you so much for your time today. A pleasure to talk to you once again. Hopefully not so often, like, you know what I mean. Dr. Louisa Sun, my guest on the show, infectious diseases consultant at Alexandra Hospital. Now, of course, the added benefit of a lot of the basic fundamentals that we just discussed is it's not just going to be helping to prevent things like the transmission of COVID, but also helping with the prevention of transmission of other infectious diseases. Think the influenza problem. I know so many people have been dealing with and tackling influenza as well. So it's got a wonderful added benefit there. That's today's Health Matters. Download more podcasts of Health Matters anywhere you find podcasts at Apple Podcasts or in Spotify Podcasts. Just search for Health Matters CNA. I'm Daniel Martin, wishing you the best of health always. Before making any decisions based on the information in our program, please consult a medical professional.